listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Test, test, test. I think we're on. We're making sure our recording system isn't throwing us for a loop like it usually does. We're almost out of practice, Bracken. We have not recorded together in like 10 days. Lisa asked if if I was missing you. What did you say? I said I I talked to him on the phone a couple days ago. (laughs) (laughs) She said, oh, you still call each other. I said, yeah, we still call each other. I pulled a real jerk move on you because I called you while I was driving in the middle of nowhere. I was unplugged for like nine days camping in northern Wisconsin. I called you while driving in and out of service, which is like the most annoying thing to do to somebody because I dropped you like three times. And it's like, why would you just not call me? In this circumstance, so I, I apologize. I'm sorry for that, Bracken. You felt worse than I felt in terms of frustration. Well, it was, it was okay. a bonehead move. It's good to see you. It's good to see you as well. We're both coming off of a week off here. How are you feeling? Uh, great. Yeah, I took uh, eight straight days off of running. I was getting up at like 5 a.m., 4.30 to 5 a.m., spending most of the day in the woods, doing a little work in the middle of the day. Uh, back in the evening and afternoon, I was in bed by nine, up by five, didn't run once. And you know, the interesting thing was, is by choice, I'm not injured or anything like that, is the first few days I, I fought it. Like my body's like, I felt a little guilt and a little like, oh, like something's missing. And if you can get through like those first three days of taking time off, like I settled into my routine, like it came to today. I just ran an eight mile, like recovery-ish run before we were hopping on here. But like, I could have took or leave the run today. I didn't feel like, like I finally settled in, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's cool. Like a body in motion wants to stay in motion. A body at rest wants to stay at rest. And I had to make sure I got out the door today, which is very interesting because I don't struggle with that. And so you got to get through the first three days of taking time off to stop fighting it. And then you settle in. So I did that nicely, but now I'm back. I'm back at it as of uh, 9 a.m. this morning. Taking time off and starting up, you both have to get through that break in period. Yeah, it'll be, and of course I didn't lift. I didn't, you know, it'll be a rough week, week and a half. I'll be sore, the fatigue, like even eight miles on the roads, my legs started to feel a little tight towards the end. And I was like, yeah, that impact, it hasn't mm-hmm. felt, it's it's interesting. But, you know, 10 days later, 14 days later, uh, in fact, I'll probably feel fresher and fit already because it's just seven or eight days. It's not, it's not uh, going to change your fitness. It's only going to charge you back up long-term. So what about you? You uh, took some time off. You're supposed to race this weekend. Yep. And? Yeah, I was having a quad tendon pain at the insertion point uh, of the basically the quad muscle into the quad tendon directly above the knee. And it was dull. And then one day it was sharp. So I took four days off and came back and it was sharp. But both times were only when running downhill. So I took five days off or four more days off and then did a test run two days before the race and had sharp pain almost constantly not constantly i did uh three by 400 one by mile on broken terrain to try to simulate what i'd see on the course just trying to run race effort and anytime my stride was not perfect if i had to chop my steps if i had to break if i had to go around a 
you know, running technical terrain or if I had to turn around uh, sharp pain right away. And that dull to sharp transition was just, it was too much. So talk to, talk to some people and on a couple of weeks here of, of not running, not having any impact, but lifting like crazy to strengthen the tendon and, and it should be all good to go. But it's, I, these last few years, they've taught me nothing else. It's nip it in the bud, pay now, don't pay later. Mm-hmm. So was it frustrating to not go race and see all all the the people I'd like to see in Indiana? Absolutely, but this is a tiny little blip to me on the radar. I'm I'm not even taking this seriously in terms this isn't even a setback. This just slightly delays what I wanted to do. I feel for you, man, but I, I can tell you're taking it in stride. I suppose there's a little irony in, in that phrasing, but I yeah. I think people people don't realize, and this is something I found time and time again. When coming back from an injury or a surgery like you have, how many times now? Typically in that ramp-up phase, there's a lot other of other areas of your body that didn't get used while you were recovering from injury. And so typically something new is going to pop up when you start ramping up volume and time on feet again. And so you're also going to have like a, like these number of things that pop up once you get back into mileage. And you're like, where did this come from? What this, you know, my current or my old injury is seemingly improved, but now I got this pop up and that pop up. Well, yeah, because your body wasn't loaded um, like it normally would be in training for as long as you had to take off. And so all these other parts of your body need to play catch up again, too. You forget about that. And so every time I've taken extended periods off due to injury, when I come back, something else pops up every single time. And not that it makes it any yeah. better, but it's like one of those things now I can be like, yeah, it's a probably likely to happen. And this is kind of your thing that popped up, I think. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that you look back and it's obvious. Yeah, I didn't load my tendons at all the way I should have. And my muscles recover and regenerate much faster than, than, than tendons and ligaments do. That's just something we've even talked about on here before. But you don't feel the atrophy because you don't feel tendon weakness until it announces itself in pain. You feel muscular fatigue and soreness. You don't really feel... <laughs> your patellar tendon or your quadricep tendon tell you, Hey, I'm a little out of shape. You don't feel it until it announces. And since I wasn't proactive, then it announced. So it, this, this few weeks, these few weeks I'll lose here will be so beneficial next year because it's forced me to look back and say, all right, my calf gave out coming back from knee surgery. And now my quad tendon gave out coming back off of hernia and knee surgery combined where I just missed too much time. I couldn't lift for so long with my core that my leg tendons paid the price for that. So looking back and realizing, trying to say, all right, where could I have possibly atrophied, atrophied throughout my entire body, made a list of it. And what it comes down to is I wasn't doing the weight room work and we don't, we, we generally in running, we don't glorify the weight room work, but it becomes necessary in appearance when something else breaks down. It gets the binding agent that keeps us healthy. And because of the hernia surgery, I just didn't do weight room for so long. And I couldn't handle that on top of not doing it for so long during, during the knee stuff. So it'll long-term, it'll help out. Hindsight, huh? Always learning. Yeah. And it's just trying to take hindsight and translate it into foresight. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is not rocket science. We just forget about all the variables sometimes because this is the downside of not exporting your coaching to an outside source is you don't get fresh eyes on it. Yeah, being proactive instead of reactive, being able to predict what may go wrong and get ahead of it before it does. And yep. the older you get, man, um, the more that strength work comes into play. Like, 
that support staff gets left alone with this super linear motion of running all the time. Even if you're a trail runner and you're running a lot of technical terrain, it still applies to you. And then all these ancillary things, if you don't strength train the support staff, as you get older and continue to do more linear and only linear and only linear work, it just will catch up with you in some way or the other. When you're young, you can get away without it. Mm-hmm. That body's resilient. But as you age, it's just more important to stay on top of the support staff. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of people who are going to be, you know, smugly nodding their head as I say this, but basketball tipped me over. The jumping, sure. the loading, the landing, it was it was too much too soon. And I've had a lot of messages like, why do you even mess with basketball anymore? Just don't do it. You're only going to get hurt. Fills your cup. But it fills your cup. Fills yeah. my cup. And it's it's an extra five hours a week I get with my dad. And that's the kind of thing that you can't replace. So yeah. I'm going to do it. Anyway, positive injury front news. Lisa got her MRI. And the doctor sent her for one, even though he could see the stress fracture on the x-ray. Because he had suspicion that this was a year-old, a year-and-a-half-old stress fracture that it healed and was now there was some uh, uh almost like a re-aggravation mm-hmm. of it in some low level stress reaction so he ordered the mri so he could see if there was active swelling in there active inflammation and it came back clean so this was a year and a half old stress fracture and he's he said i'm fairly certain that when we look through here we would be able to see what's causing this. And he showed us the MRI. He took us through it. He scrolled mm-hmm. up and down. We looked at the whole thing. There is no evidence of anything. He said, I think it was something soft tissue was bugging you in there. Mm. And that was it. It just was adjacent to the site of that fracture. And so that brought it back in mind to you. But so Lisa was cleared to build back into running. So it's fantastic. She had this stress fracture a year and a half ago when she took time off. This was right after her hernia surgery. Mm-hmm. She did a big week or a big month leading into hernia surgery to get ahead, started feeling it like two days before surgery, and then coming off of it as she ramped back up, felt it. So she took several weeks off, and that's what that was. So luckily she's, for now, cleared to go. But that doesn't mean she doesn't have pain, and it doesn't mean that, you know, obviously it's going to be a tricky balance for her because, like, stress reaction is sort of a... Uh, a vague cloudy term for what's going on there, right? Like there's some sort of inflammation. There's pain, obviously. A stress reaction can mean the soft tissue. It could mean the periosteum lining the bone there. It could mean a number of things. And so hopefully it doesn't turn into like, obviously she's, if she's still in pain, it's no. going to be a fine line. Oh, she's not. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. What what he said is he thought there'd be a low level stress reaction. And the the initial technician who read it, said there is slight possible possible signs of slight grade one stress reaction and the guy said basically that's cover cover your butt that's we could maybe see Mm. something he said but he said i look at dozens of these a day a healthy runner has more inflammation in their leg than you do right now so he said there is no stress reaction currently there's just there's nothing so yeah she's building in slowly 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 but which is killing her, but she can at least run. So on that front, one of the crockers is running. Happy to hear that, Lisa. And I will say, after taking eight days off of running, I, my shins are always a little tender. I was feeling around on them. They're still freaking sore. There's just inflammation in there. That's a big weight-bearing, load-bearing bone. Your medial side of your tibia is constantly going to be a little bit sensitive to the touch. Say if, it, yeah. say if it hurts when you push on it, don't push on it. So I ain't going to push on it. Don't push on it. <laughs> there yeah, you go. That's science right there. Should we dive head first? 
into a giveaway? You guys, we asked for reviews and you showed up. We asked for new ratings and reviews. We had 51 of you guys uh, write in. We're giving away three t-shirts of color and size of your choice, unless they're out, which we're out of one or two sizes in some of the colors. Um, So thank you so much for taking the time to write a review um, some of them uh, really warmed my heart, made me pitter patter a little bit. They were, uh, overly nice. You know, when they're so, f- some of them are so flattering, it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. It was like that level. Yeah. Which was super nice. Do you struggle to take compliments, Kirk? I used to. <laughs> Not, listen, I've been bashed enough in my life now where I take every compliment I can get. <laughs> That's right. How about yep. you? We're past, and, and you much more than me, but we're past that point. Shower us with praise. We'll take it. That was nice. I was I was blushing while I was in my deer stand reading these uh, last week. So 51 of you, we put you in a random number generator, and um, these are the humans who have won. So reach out um, to me personally on my Instagram or my email um, and shoot me a message personally. Don't go through the running public account. Just message me. So the first winner, can you give us a drum roll, Bracken? I'm usually the drum roller. Nice is i don't like that let's go there we go all taken nicknames 11 number one way to go all taken nicknames that's the uh that's the screen name so reach out to me way to go you want a t-shirt the next one drum roll uh set c you spell that out s-a-e-r-t-z-s-e-e Way to go. You did it. Wow. And these were truly random. Truly random. We used a number generator. Yeah, it gave me number, I don't remember, 31, 29, and 26 or something real close. And the last one. Give it to me. What is that? I'll try it again. Oh, there it is. CG750. That's everybody. Congratulations. Here we are. We need sound effects because that would have made this way more climactic. Maybe I'll I'll look back there and add some some sound effects. Okay. And another note I want to make about the t-shirts um, is for your international people. Uh, I've gotten more messages about shipping t-shirts internationally than I care to count. And I'm here to tell you, if you do not live in the United States, we can ship to you. We have changed our model. So what I want you to do if you want us to ship to you is you need to message me personally on Instagram or email You need to give me your address, and I will give you a customized shipping cost. And then we will take care of things through my personal PayPal account. So we'll just do a backdoor transaction. Uh, Willing to do that for you. I'm not saying it's going to be cheap. We just sent some shirts out to Canada. It was like 21 bucks for shipping or something. But we can do it. So message me. I will give you a rate. We can take care of it. Wow, look at you. Yeah. Making big moves. Really big moves. If people are willing to pay for shipping, I'm willing to send My shirt's... So Jess found a... I'll go. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, Jess found a new way of shipping that is a little more reasonable, and I need to say thank you to her because, uh, Bracken, you can see the boxes behind me, but, I mean, the care she puts into these shirts, you know, buying the label maker, printing, working with all the shipping services it's been a big frustration because they usps raised the rates and so we had to figure out all that and then the time she's probably spent at least 20 to 30 hours getting this stuff organized after work and so this is not me 
I take the credit for it, but I do none of the work. It's Jess L. Peterson 92 on Instagram that uh, she took care of it. So thank her. This uh, T-shirt thing when we're running like a busy full-time life is kind of a side hustle, and she's picked that up. So uh, thank you, Jess. You're the best. Thanks, Jess. And mine, thank you, Jess. Mine arrived. Man, are they pretty. It's all I wore this weekend. Yeah, it's all I've been wearing. I got one on right now. Um, okay, yeah. 15 minutes, 16 minutes of rambling. Shall we? We shall. Do you want to kick it off or do you want me to kick it off? Let's kick it off. There is this fallacy in the world that running on treadmill is a cop-out, especially over the winter. And your idea for this episode was let's dispel that. Let's talk about it. And so I'm going to start with a little anecdote. I got my first incline trainer. I don't even know now. Seven years ago at Nordic Track. This would have been the X7i back then. It's an early model. And I posted all giddy about it. And someone commented, yeah, have fun on that. I'll be outside in the elements, still getting my volume in, still getting my running. And I'll be tougher for it. And And this memory came up. So I just recently saw this. And my response was something like, well, have fun slipping on the ice and running in Wisconsin. I'm going to be hitting tempos, intervals, long runs, and and uh, incline work all winter, and I'm going to be super fit come spring. You know, maybe it was a little bit of an unneeded response, but I think I still stand by that. Now, this is I'm an outdoor runner, Kirk. Winter running is my favorite season of the year. But I want to make sure, you want to make sure, that people are okay choosing the treadmill option in order to get your work in. Hundred percent. Yeah, I had three three athletes, Canadian athletes, this week having some brutal um, weather spells up there. Big for snowfalls, really cold temperatures, nasty winds, and all three alluded to the fact that they took in quotes the easy route by choosing to run the treadmill for like their midweek long run or a recovery run. Like I just didn't want to go outside, and they they seemed a little um, timid to tell me that. And in the grand, and I've had this conversation come up, and winter is upon us if you live in the north. And I'll be honest, at this point, if I don't want to go outside because I don't think I'm going to enjoy myself, I'm not going to have as productive of a session as if I choose to stay inside and get what I believe to be purposeful work done that day. And so this last winter or two, I have pivoted to the treadmill. I run in the elements just like you do. Um, And I think it's important to do that weekly, but when it matters and it's just, you know, it's going to be more productive inside, it is absolutely okay. And that will move the needle further for you than going outside and grumbling under your breath and crummy conditions in which you don't feel like you can access what you're trying to access that day. And so we're going to hash that whole thing out right now, I suppose, aren't we? Yeah, we are. The first thing, and you touched upon it already, is enjoyment. We are not, I I would say there are single digit, maybe less than three people who will listen to this episode and are actively trying to be a professional athlete. Not like I'd like to someday or, or anything like that actively in this moment, making their living off of their feet. I just, I don't think that there are more than three or four people that will listen to this that are like that because that's pretty much the ratio in life. (laughs) There are very few people that are out there that make their living off running. So for all the rest of us, which is almost every single runner out there, 
is there really any other reason at our core to do it than than we enjoy and get something out of it? No. No. No, there's not. So I think that's your driving force right there. Can I listen to music when I run? Does a real runner do that? Listen, all runners are real runners. Mm-hmm. Some are faster than others. All runners are, if you're running, you're really running. End of statement. So yeah, use the treadmill because if it increases your enjoyment, that alone is worth it. This whole thing is about sustainability, right? You keep rubbing your nose in conditions in which make you miserable day in and day out, week in and week out. You're much less likely to come back or continue. It's going to suck, slowly suck your enjoyment out of what we're doing. And so like sustainability is sort of key with the treadmill. And listen, on this podcast, we sometimes contradict ourselves on purpose and we're about to do two contradictory training Tuesday episodes that are polar opposites of each other on purpose to argue two sides of the same coin. And so we've done winter running episodes where we say, put on your big boy and girl pants and go outside and suck it up. Yeah, we still stand by that. But we also stand by the fact, because sometimes that is enjoyable, by the way, but we also stand by the fact that there's a, there's no need to, to, what would you say? internalized guilt for choosing to run on the treadmill if that is going to be the most productive session for you. And so, yes, we're contradicting an episode we probably did about this time last year, didn't we? Last year, year before, winter's coming, get out in the elements. Well, yeah, you're still going to get out on the elements, but you can pick and choose your days. And for example, like every week, I always make sure to chase vert. I always make sure to get some sort of flat, speedier effort in. And then I have a host of recovery runs in there. And if you train on our training plan or you're anything like us, your weeks break up that way too. No big deal. It's snowing cold and miserable. Hit the treadmill and chase your vert on that day instead and then push your flat outside. Like just being a puppeteer of how you navigate your weeks and choosing, you can very much do this time of year. And the treadmill is an integral tool for me without question this time of year. And most of it happens when I'm pivoting and uh, looking at the week and then scramble or scrambling up the order of my workouts. Do you approach things the same way? I, yeah, it's almost in the moment I decide. Now, there are some things I plan in advance. Like this this entire time I've been rebuilding all my speed sprinkles, not all, 90% of my speed sprinkles have been done on the treadmill because it's controllable. And I can focus entirely on me and not on searching for speed or not or not, or not having to reach for speed. I can just run and watch myself in the mirror. So there are times where I program it for that very reason because I want a metric that I cannot do any other way. But other times I just feel it out. I, I'm i a big believer that you have to know why you make your decision. So the reason we said winter's coming, get out, suck it up, dress appropriately, and go get out in the winter is you need to know why you avoid winter. Lisa, for example, did not like cold anything. And now she loves winter running. Because she found out that she could make the choice to do it. Now on days where she'll go out and say, oh, it is just nasty. I don't feel like doing it. She's choosing the treadmill for the purpose of enhancing her life. Not because she doesn't know that it could be better out there. She knows what it's like. She's making the correct choice. I'm the same way. I love winter running. And some days I just decide I'm not running out there today. It's because I choose to. And there's some, there's no guilt with that. If you don't know what you're missing, you feel like you're being weaker. But if you know what you're missing out there, you're making it because you chose to make that decision and you can live with that. 
That's a damn good point, man. Like we, I have rubbed my nose in winter running, icy conditions, windy conditions, below zero temperatures, snow up to my knees. I have rubbed my nose in those crappy conditions so Mm -hmm. many times and know what it feels like that I am so at ease when I choose the treadmill because I've kind of earned that right. And I think there is a, a, an initiation phase that you need to go through with winter running to like learn like, yeah, it's going to be way more productive for me to be inside for so many reasons. Not to mention, I don't have to unthaw afterwards or potentially slip and hurt myself or whatever it is. And so that's true. We've, there is a, there is a place where you had to kind of earn that. If you've always chosen the treadmill, always like, yeah, it's below 35 degrees and I don't run in below 35 degrees. Like that's been you your whole life. Well then I don't know maybe if this applies to you as much. I feel like the ones who've gone out there and, and know what it's like, those are the people we're talking to. And really, even if you never go out, who cares? Like, yeah, you, you may not know what you're missing out on, but don't feel guilty for staying in because you're getting the work done. We should feel guilty sometimes when we skip a workout. If we skip due to we're just being weak. If you skip for a real reason, that's whatever, that's fine. <laughs> you just took eight days out for running. There's no guilt there. Zero. But if you never want to leave the treadmill, we just want you to know that's okay. No, you're maybe missing out on something great outside, but it's okay. Treadmills are still running. So I have done, when I coached in Walworth, Wisconsin, we are pancake flat, middle of farm country, and it is windy, windy. There was one day we were coaching, I was coaching track. It was early in the season and we were doing intervals. Uh, We couldn't use the track because the snow had blown over it and iced over and we didn't have time to clear it off. So we went out into the subdivision to run and we were just running an 800 meter out rest 90 seconds 800 meter back we were going out in 320 back in 220 so 640 pace uh 440 pace back and forth like that and we were trying to run roughly mile pace for these guys maybe you're taking more like maybe you're taking two or three minutes rest but the wind was had to have been 30 miles per hour Mm -hmm. directly in your face but what we wanted to do that day was work our systems and we worked our systems we may have been running 640 pace, but our lactate threshold didn't care what pace we were running. Mm-hmm. We were tipped. It was nasty. Now, another day, we went in on the treadmill and we did our work there because we were trying to work our race stride and our turnover, our mechanics. Look in the, tr- in the mirror, run fast, run the exact pace we're trying to hit and turn over fast. For two, the same workout, two different days, we made different decisions. And neither one was met with guilt. We didn't look at our times outside and say, oh, we're so slow. And we didn't look at our, our decision inside and say, oh, we're so weak. You, you choose the tool for the job. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think what we should outline here is what are the reasons to not choose? Like, when should you go outside and when should you choose the treadmill, right? Like when, let's use the term weak, whatever it is, when you're taking the easy road or route by choosing the treadmill, like when should you go outside? First of all, like when is the treadmill not a good choice? And when is it a good choice? This is very subjective. These are only our opinions. You comfortable starting with that conversation or diving into it? Oh yeah. And I'm going to say that my opinion is correct on this. (laughs) Of course it is. It's your opinion. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. There are only two times that you need to go outside. The first is when you want to, and the second is when you're training for an event that is going to require you to train outside. Those are the only two times, in my opinion, that you need to avoid the treadmill. If you want to avoid the treadmill, 
or if you must get on race condition terrain or weather or something outside that you cannot a downhill something you can't replicate inside those are the only two times other than that i just couldn't care hmm. maybe i could yeah couldn't care less thank you for using that phrase correctly by the way that is i pause you hear my... me pause no you said couldn't everybody says i could care less so you could care less than you care I couldn't right. care less is the correct phrasing, and like one out of ten people use that correctly. Way to go. Because it sounds worse. I couldn't care less. It does. Anyways, good job. Yeah. So two times. If you want to go outside, do it. If you must because of the demands of the race that you're training for and you are training for a purpose, then you got to go do it outside. Other than that, I don't care. All right. Well, whatever, Bracken. Let's get more specific than that because you're right. You are. You are absolutely correct. But specifically, like, when should you go outside? Like, if you're going to pick your battles, right? If you're going to play the song and dance between inside and outside, because you need a balance, folks. I really You are going to lose some rear chain development and all these things over time, resistance to impact. If you're on the treadmill every time, you will lose incremental. There will be gains left, in my opinion. Um, I'm saying if you ran on the treadmill for three months. Oh, I thought you were meaning it's winter. What days must I go outside? Yeah, well, well, it kind of. Yeah, that'd be part of it. But it's also like, when should you choose? Like, okay, like I'm going to get outside today because I know the worst days are coming and those are the days I'm going to end up sticking inside. So, um, you know, first of all, if the conditions are safe, meaning it's light out, you have clean ground to run on, that's when you should choose to go outside. Whether you're headlamp running in the morning or not, like, I would rather run in the light in my house on a treadmill versus go outside with a headlamp because that sucks. I mean, I do it, but it's not, I don't like to do it every time. So point being, when should you, when the conditions are safe, meaning you can see the ground, you're not at risk of slipping or at lower risk and there's no ice. Um, two, you should choose outside again, if it's a time in which, um, you're above your, what your self-determined temperature threshold is for me, like if the wind, if it's 10 degrees, my, my limits are like, if it's 10 degrees and the wind is over 10 miles an hour, not going outside, not a chance. If it's 20 degrees and it's 20 miles an hour, not going outside, not a chance, because I know what that feels like and it's miserable. And so I have these things where I just look and I'm like, eh, if it's 10 degrees, but it's low winds, put me out there. If it's 20 degrees, high winds, I may choose to stay inside. So I have these things where I've learned like it may sound a little specific, but it's true. Some of you have your temperature threshold. You're just looking at like, I'm not running below 30 degrees. Okay, well, if you live somewhere where you have temps above 30 degrees very often in the winter, then get out every time you can because you're going to default to the treadmill on those other times. So the predetermined uh, conditions that are cool with you, I think you should choose to run outside. Okay. Um, do you want to follow that up? I would say that initially, when you're young in your winter running pursuit in that journey, save your fast stuff for the treadmill. Go outside and just run your easy runs. Feel it out for a bit. Uh, Winter running is really hard on your lungs initially, and for some people, it's much worse than others. Mm -hmm. I struggle my first winter run with speed, and after that, I'm fine. Some people never are comfortable with their breathing, breathing hard and gasping in the cold. Ross Weimer and I, when we were prepping for Jacksonville in 20, I want to say 19, 2020, one of the two, uh, we were running 5K work, 3K 
effort intervals in the snow. Not hitting the pace at all, but we were raggedly gasping. And we were fine all winter. Other people, that does not work for, but you have to ease your way into it. You don't want to go out there. You can actually damage your lungs in cold air. So you don't mm-hmm. want to go and jump right into that. So I, th- I think you start on a, a easy to moderate day and you feel it out. Save your true speed work for inside if you're doing that over the winter. That's where, that's where I would start with. At the beginning, if it's in doubt, maybe just do your speed work inside. I agree with that. I have one more time you should go outside. Okay. Um, and this may sound silly and maybe this is not where your head first goes, but for me it does. When you have the time. Because the transition of put all your crap on, get outside, then you come back and you're like defrosting and getting your stuff. Like there's an extra 10 or 15 minutes of just like extra work it seems to take to like get everything in line, get your music player on your arm, put on your layers, go outside. Sometimes if you're rolling out of bed and you need to squeeze in your run, putting on your shorts and t-shirt and getting on the treadmill is the right decision to just get it done and make sure you allot the time. But winter running is associated with just, it takes, it's more of a hassle. Like it just is. And so if you have the time, go outside. And the other thing would be if you're looking ahead at the forecast and you realize like, oh, it's going to be bad for a couple of days or a couple, like it's going to get ugly. And today's conditions aren't ideal, but they're maybe tolerable. Go outside then and then foresee what's coming because then you're going to have three days in a row on the treadmill. Look at foresight there. That's all I wanted to cover as far as when I think you should choose outside. There's a longer list of why I think you should choose the treadmill, by the way, but Anything you want to add to that? No, because I, I don't, I don't think people need to be pushed outside. I think you'll enjoy it if you try it, but it's a personal choice. I'd, I'd rather them feel I can use the treadmill, and then I'll get curious about outside eventually. Because let's face it, for most of us, the treadmill is not an easier option. It's maybe a safer option. It's maybe a more sterile option, at least initially, until the sweat starts pouring. But it is not easier. Go do a two-hour long run on the trails and then do it on the treadmill and tell me that the treadmill is easier. It's just not. It's not. Now, some people like Ian Kasky, who we interviewed a few about a month or two ago, just can nail treadmill workouts. But as part of the reason I think he's a fantastic ultra athlete is because he's got his mind wired to be able to just stare at a wall for two hours. Like There is some real mental training that must be done to handle treadmill work, so... I don't even buy that treadmill is a cop-out or easier because I am way better outdoor than on a treadmill. I struggle mentally on a treadmill, so I know it's not easy. Well, so you started with the reason to choose the treadmill would be if you're newer to speed work yep. and it's winter and crummy conditions, stick to the treadmill. Why don't you piggyback that with another when you should choose the treadmill or two, and then I'll follow that up. Well, I think, I think it's good to choose it if you are trying to get better at running. I know that that, yeah, we're all trying to get better at running, but I'm talking about the act of running, the physical act of running. If you're trying to get better at that, it's really tough to do that in the snow. You can build your engine. You can work on your aerobic or anaerobic thresholds. You can work on your impact tolerance. You can do any of that outside, but you can't really improve your mechanics snow running or running on ice, or running in the dark, or even running on trails. I don't believe that trail running improves your mechanics other than for being more efficient on technical terrain. Treadmill running, especially if you can set up a mirror, is probably the fastest way to improve your physical act of running. So I think if you're looking, again, if you're new to running, or you're looking to improve your ground contact time, or your arm carriage, or your heel kick, or whatever you want to talk about, 
treadmill is the place to start that and then you implement it outside okay so you're kind of piggybacking that first point to run on the treadmill in a sense yeah 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 if you're brand new to it and you're like this off season i have a point of emphasis to get better at running those days you're on the treadmill get better at running then go outside and practice it get better at running the next day then go outside and practice it the day after Mm. um okay well i'll piggyback with the with a few things then um when you should choose the treadmill and when you shouldn't feel like a wimp for doing so one when it's dark outside dark running is risky no matter what we have short days right now if you're running before work or after work you're most likely running in the dark so not saying you should choose the treadmill every time it's dark out but right away if it's dark out and you just don't want to outside fine obviously pick and choose your days still i still believe you need to do that but running with a headlamp's risky and if you don't live in a well-lit neighborhood um it can lead to ankle rolling so when it's dark out um two when you don't wanna meaning like you know it's gross outside and you just don't wanna you're willing to do the work but you just don't wanna well don't but make sure you wanna again sometime later that week like i I'm advocating treadmill running because I'll probably do it twice a week here in the winter. Um, And I'm only running five days a week. So two out of five runs of mine are going to probably be done on the treadmill, which is actually a lot, almost half. Mm -hmm. But the other days, if I don't want her, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get outside because I need that resistance to impact. Um, The next thing that comes to mind, when metrics matter, when speed matters, and you're just not sure that the, the conditions outside... I'm going to help you work the way you want to work. Whether it's too windy, it's too cold, you know your breathing sucks, or your legs just don't work when it, they feel as cold as 10 degrees makes them feel, which can happen. Um, when metrics matter, and you're like, I had quarter mile repeats today, and I was going to do them outside, but I really don't believe I'm going to hit metrics that are going to make me feel confident. There's a time and place to push through outside, and there's a time and place to be like, no, I will feel more encouraged if I just stick inside and do this, and I will enjoy the session more. Perfect. When metrics matter and you're not sure that they will be achieved outside, that's an okay time as well. Mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really agree on the speed thing. If speed matters, treadmill is the only place to do it. And take a look at, let's say, Ryan Atkins, who we just interviewed three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He is known for being a mountain man. He is outdoor. He's ice climbing. He's fat biking all winter long. However, he's also on his treadmill getting his speed work in as the race season comes around yep he's running his thousands he's running his three minute intervals very fast on his nordic track you know shirt off in split shorts and road shoes prepping for an off-road ocr race do you remember what he said the key he won jacksonville sprint a couple years ago do you remember what he said the key was to his win there wasn't he setting a treadmill at five minute pace and running intervals to know that he could hold that pace or 440 or 450 whatever it was so the the key was quarter mile repeats, <laughs> quarter mile repeats on the treadmill just to help him with his turnover. That was his, in quotes, key to success leading into Jacksonville, why it went well for him, the treadmill. And we know anybody who's run at Jacksonville, it don't feel like a treadmill there. It's it's sloppy. No, not at all. But he needed the speed. He needed the turnover. He needed exactly. a clean foot plant to be able to work hard. John Albin. He just took third place at uh, the World Mountain Running Championship behind Stian and oh, I'm going to blank on who took second. Anyways, behind two of the best mountain runners in the world, third place. 
What did he spend like 30 minutes talking to us about on our most recent interview? Treadmill running. Mm -hmm. He can run perfectly. He can avoid the ice and he can avoid impact. So the second part of that is I think for speed and I think for impact. If you're looking to remove impact, get on your treadmill. Set it at 3%. Set it at 5%. Set it at 8%. The higher you put it up, the less you are impacting the ground. So if you need recovery days, you might as well make them a really, really recovery. Put mm-hmm. it up to 5% and run. That's a whole lot less impact than running outdoors. Well, and you bring up the next point I wanted to make in which I still run indoors in the summer on the treadmill in this case often is when you want to chase vert and it gets tricky. Even you folks that live in the mountains, a lot of those trails are very unrunnable or unsafe to climb or descend on. And so... Running uphill on the treadmill is sometimes the most effective option. Yeah, you're not getting your descending and that resistance to impact, but you want to chase vert and your trails aren't perfect for that or it's it's a little sketchy, treadmill is, is your option there. So when you yeah. want to chase vert, I think the biggest thing, honestly, the biggest key to this whole thing, like choosing the treadmill and not feeling guilty about it, one, it's a very effective tool. But, but two is it's really the foresight of the forecast or the foresight of your week being like, okay, this is how things look this week and picking and choosing your battles as to when like, yeah, I'll be able to get outside this day and I won't this day. If you can plan sort of ahead and not find yourself like, ooh, I ran on the treadmill five days in a row because I took the easy, easy in quotes way out Monday, Tuesday, but then the bad weather came on Wednesday. So then I had to run inside. It's more just looking ahead and picking and choosing what makes the most sense for what you have going on. I really think it comes down to like looking at the conditions and then deciding Mm -hmm. and either front loading outside running or choosing the inside running now, knowing that, you know, the opposite will come later in the week. And so for me, it's always the weather app and then it's always moving the puzzle pieces accordingly. So I still stay balanced with my training. That way, every time I choose the treadmill, it's for a reason. There's no guilt associated with that because I know I'm choosing it on the day that makes the most sense. How do you feel about that? I think it's absolutely right. And it's, are you training or are you exercising? If you're exercising, do whatever you want. Run treadmill every day if you want. If you're training for something, then during the winter, you have to look outside and say, what days do I need to be outside to get the intended result? All the rest I can do indoors. Yeah. And I, and I think your hill point is right on. During the summer here, within a three-hour drive, the biggest amount of vert I can get on one uphill is over at Granite Peak. And that's what? 650 feet. 650, 650, 700 feet, maybe top to bottom of of gain. Within 40 minutes of here, the most I can get is 200 200 feet of vert. During Mm -hmm. winter, the most I can get is like 58. Yeah. (laughs) Because those are all closed off to me. All our ski hills are closed, yeah. And that 58 feet of vert is like 8% inclined. So I can't climb during the winter. So I must do that on the treadmill. I just must. That's the only way to get vert. When I lived in Colorado, you talked about it. Even if you live in the mountains, when I lived in Colorado, I would average, I don't know, 10 to 20,000 feet of vert a week. In winter, when I wasn't even trying to run workouts, just get basin, that would drop to five to 6,000 feet because the, the upper passes just get snowed over. It's very hard to find true vert. I mean, you could do it. If you were intentional about it, you could still do it, but it becomes work. It becomes a chore. Descending becomes really sketchy. When things are snow covered, but you know there's rocks underneath, it's really sketchy. So yeah, that, that the hill running just has to be done indoors a lot of the time. It's just, it's just what must be done. Yeah, I agree. And let's talk about, um, you know, some of the 
benefits uh, of the treadmill over outside running. Uh, one, if you're struggling, like a lot of people are stuck on the concrete in the winter. Well, the treadmill is going to reduce your resistance to impact. It's actually going to allow you to put in more volume with less damage. And so you can actually put in more time on the treadmill than you can outside while accruing less uh, damage from impact. So um, the treadmill in itself is actually good. Like you can run higher volume if the treadmill is incorporated, more aerobic time and do it again. Like if I were running two hard, flat and fast workouts outside each week, big ones, my legs would be really, really fatigued, really beat up, especially on the concrete. If I were to do that on the treadmill, I may still feel springy in between those workouts because it's just mm-hmm. different. It doesn't recruit your hamstrings or your glutes quite the same. It leaves those a little fresher so you can work your aerobic or even your anaerobic systems more without taking the actual physical damage. And so you can swing the hammer a little harder on the treadmill from like an output standpoint without taking the structural damage that you would if you were outside. And so it actually allows you to recover a little faster for your next session while still getting like the aerobic benefit in. So you may swing the hammer on a huge, flat, fast workout on the treadmill on a Tuesday. And by Thursday, you might be ready to go rip something out on the roads again because you just wanna, because the legs didn't take the hit. And so so there's a time and place where you can actually layer on a little more work when you're using the treadmill as a crutch in the winter that you don't think about because of the damage that's not quite accrued. Again, we need to damage our legs so they have that resistance impact when we're racing outside. But when it comes to the engine itself, the aerobic nature and component of what we do, you can actually do more work and do it more often. Yeah. And so there's a huge benefit and you can actually use that to your advantage in the winter. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's exactly right. It also teaches you to relax into speed. When you run outside and you're trying to run a new pace, the only way to hit it is to fight for it. Yeah. And on a treadmill, I, I'm sure you felt this. Say you're doing a 30-30 workout, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Your first several reps, you feel tighter and more tense, and you look at your stride and you're fighting for the work. And suddenly by like six, seven, eight, you look like you're jogging. True. Because you've learned to relax into the pace. And the treadmill is perfect for that because it's going to move with or without your input. So all you have to do is try to teach yourself to fall asleep while running fast. All right, I'm watching my shoulders. Can I drop them a half an inch? Can I relax my fingers more? Can I relax my face? Can I unclench my neck? Can I make my arms pump a little slower? Or maybe not slower, maybe the same cadence, but not so high up in front and back. You learn how to relax into speed. And those are the skills that translate over outside too. So treadmills are really good for forcing you to run certain speeds. And then for the end of a workout, outdoor, if you start slowing up at the end of a rep, you're kind of just stuck with that. On the treadmill, you can say, no, 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 I'm just going to keep my feet moving till the end of the rep. You may not learn to fight into pace as much, but you learn to relax and suffer a little bit more. And that's a, that's certainly a, a necessary tool to have. Yeah, it's true. I like that. And to piggyback that, it's like the treadmill can give you an objective measure of what pacing feels like and what you're capable of because the conditions are the exact same every time. So the treadmill sessions when I'm like, oh, I was going to go outside today, but I woke up and it is blustery and like, I don't want to and I'm, I'm not gonna. And I do that. Right. And I'm not like a little pansy when it comes outdoor running, but a lot of times I'll wake up and be like, no, nope, not happening today. I use that as an opportunity to play on the treadmill, meaning like, what does 430 pace feel like? And I'm going to go run, oh, I don't know, minute long intervals. 
and I'm just going to see how many I can crank out with 60 seconds rest before I fade her. You know, I've always wanted to know like where my limits are. And so you pick a pace and you run it and you experiment and you play and you get comfortable running at different paces. Or I'll, I'm able to run a 5K at six minute pace. Well, today I am going to just suck, go 545 pace for my intervals and I am going to learn. I'm going to learn myself how to run faster. And so I use that very often to play and experiment with pacing. And so um, I think that's like a very underrated tool as far as the treadmill goes. And a lot of times you surprise yourself and be like, wow, I can sustain this pacing or I am faster than I thought or, oh, that felt uncomfortable, but here I am holding it. And so I typically use the treadmill for play. It still worked, don't get me wrong, but I'm teaching my body and, and myself where my limits are. And it's much mm -hmm. better to do that because every rep is going to be the same and that can build your confidence for when it translates to outside. And so um, I like to use it in that regard as well. I like that. Yeah. I like to use it for building perfect workouts rather than the best I can do with my terrain. For example, if I do not want to have a 90-minute workout but I want to get 1,000 feet of vert in, I can't really do that outside. Yeah. Or 2,000 feet of vert or 5,000, whatever I want, because I have to get back down the hill each time. I can just sit and run at whatever vert I want and then 10 seconds later be running flat. There is no down the hill part. Now, downhills are almost beyond our scope of being able to say how important they are. <laughs> They're so, so underrated with how much they can help your racing. But there are days you don't want to work on your downhills. You want to work on the uphills and you want to work on flat and that's it. Well, on a treadmill, you can build exactly the workout you want. And it takes 10 to 15 seconds for that treadmill to go from the top vert to the bottom flat vert, you know, 40% incline to 0%. doesn't take that long. There's no hill in the world that you can get down in 10 seconds after you've gained 2000 feet. It just doesn't exist unless you're jumping off the top. So it allows you to build perfect workouts. Uh, an example would be maybe the death march. Uh, I raced Killington for the last time in 2019, and I did death march sims on my treadmill, where I had the GPS graph of exactly what the death march in Killington was of 1.1 miles and 2,000 feet of vert, and the exact progression up it: 10%, 15, 20, 25, 20, 30, 22, 33, and a half. And I just did that on the treadmill. I just made that and I did the exact death march over and over and over in my basement. I couldn't replicate that outside. Mm -hmm. Outside of flying to Vermont or flying to a mountain that's similar. I did it three times a week in my basement. That's, that is a tool that is invaluable. Yeah, that's smart. And you know what, Kirk? I set the death march uh, KOM that day. You did. How yeah. much of that did you hike and how much did you run? It's probably 50-50. 50-50. And that was part of what the treadmill did for me is you can feel exactly where you need to be hiking and, and running. You start running, your heart skyrockets, so you start hiking at that. And you realize, when can I run, when can I hike, and how long do I need to be at one mm -hmm. and the other before I bounce back and forth to stay down. And then, you know what else happened? 20 minutes later, Rhea Coble broke that KOM. <laughs> she did. Yep. <laughs> she That's did. funny. But wasn't, like, Kempson <laughs> in that race, too, though? Like, so you... Yeah. He smashed me, but I had a better death march. Other than Rhea Kobo, who smashed you all. Correct. I love that. Um, regardless as to what time of year it is, choosing the treadmill makes a lot of sense if you suck at pacing, your, your, especially your quality mm -hmm. sessions. And you're just one of those who always goes out too hot and you end up fading and you just like are so out of touch with your body. 
Um, go on the treadmill, start conservative, a pace you know you can run and sustain, and then slowly tighten the screws or ratchet down as the workout progresses. Um, use the winner as an opportunity to work on getting in touch with pacing um, on the treadmill. It's another good like focus to have if you're one of those who just suck at pacing your workouts. And I know there's a handful out of you that out there that do and will probably continue to, but treadmill can be helpful for that as well at this time. So, yeah. Well, to, to piggyback on that, treadmill is very, very good at beginner heart rate training. Early on, outdoor running, if you're trying to run by heart rate, you're just going to fluctuate up and then you're going to overcompensate down and you're going to fluctuate up and overcompensate down and you're going to hit a hill and it's going to skyrocket and then you're going to have to walk for a bit. On the treadmill, the treadmill is the easiest way to do heart rate based training, in my opinion, because you can dial in exactly the one beat you want to stay at. And when that moves, you move a tenth up or a tenth down. It's very, very easy to lock yourself into a heart rate zone and stay there. And then it's very black and white when you improve. Yeah. You can see it. I was running at 6.2 miles per hour at 145 beats. And now this month I'm running at 6.2 miles per hour at 138 beats. It is, it is in, it's undeniable when you improve or when you regress or when you stagnate. Let's talk about two specifics of treadmill running here because people always ask these questions. Um, yes. <clears throat> if you're going to be on the treadmill a little more in the winter, which is inevitable for most of us, um, percent incline, if you're running flat, do you believe that there should be some grade on your treadmill? Should you set it to one or 2% to in quotes, simulate outdoor running? Um, or should you just leave it at 0%? Do you have an opinion there? I do. Uh, nothing concrete. I'm not one of those people that says if you run at 0%, you're cheating. I, I don't care about that. What I do believe is that for most people, your stride doesn't even feel like outdoor running until you get to a half percent incline or 1% incline. Same. That's exactly what I'll say. Yeah. Flat incline feels like a slight decline. It does. 1% feels perfect. Like that feels like flat running. And the reason people suggest like, oh, running on the treadmill is easier and you can run faster. Well, they're not necessarily wrong, especially if you are a faster runner. And the reason for that is is mo people think all oh, the belts doing the work for you and all that. And maybe there's a small truth to that, but the main reason is you're not getting wind resistance. If you're running 10, 11, 12 miles an hour outside, you have a 10, 11, 12 mile an hour headwind you're dealing with. And when you're running faster, that becomes more and more of a factor, more of a limiting factor to running faster. On the treadmill, you don't have wind when you're running fast. And so that actually assists you. It helps you run faster because you're not getting that. So so the faster runner you are, the more important I believe it is to compensate by using that 1% or so because it offsets the lack of wind resistance you're getting because you're running indoors. That's the main reason, more so than the belt moving for you, is actually the lack of wind resistance, especially when you get down 7-minute pace or below. Um, the more important it becomes to run at a slight incline to compensate for that. Yeah. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, and you can feel that. You just pour sweat. Even if your basement's chilly, you pour sweat because there's no there's no air rushing past you. So that's why you'll most often see in videos when uh, when people are doing treadmill workouts, they have fans set up because you're just dripping sweat when you wouldn't at the same temperature outside. There's mm -hmm. zero air resistance, and then also your foot slightly slows the belt every time it comes into contact. So there's that piece. Well, it's moving at 12 miles per hour until you step on it. <laughs> it's going slower. So raise the incline a little bit, but 
I don't know. I mean, we're dealing with GPS watches outside. What's the percent variance on those? Right. You know, I think they accept up to like 1.6. That might be totally off, but if you're up to 1.6% variance in treadmill and GPS, who cares about 1% treadmill? And I don't know. I, I care less about, about the speed than I just do about how it feels on your stride. I'd, yeah. I'd like to, if I'm doing speed work, replicate the stride I'm going to use outside. And that doesn't feel right for me on zero. Right. Sometimes some treadmills I have to get up to one and a half before it feels right. Yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, when I taught at orange theory fitness, it was always first thing, set your treadmill to 1.5% incline before we'd even get going. That was always like a thing that we rolled out back in the day, but, um, you're going to like how I want to end this conversation then Bracken, um, uh, shoe choice on the treadmill. Should you just be running in your regular shoes? You're going out and running outside. Do you believe that it's time for a switch up on the treadmill? Like how do you approach uh, shoe choice on the treadmill? You can just wear your regular shoes. I, I do, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it ever a bad idea to just get a one pair of shoes for one thing? I don't think so. <laughs> I do think that, and we've talked about it. The more your treadmill goes up in incline, the more you're going to want a different shoe. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing even the treadmill challenge at 15% incline, I notice some slipping on some treadmills. I need a shoe with a little bit more grip to it. For example, there's a shoe over my left shoulder right now, the New Balance um, RC Elite 1. It has pretty gnarly little lugs on them, but they are slick on any sort of smooth surface. That is not a shoe I would run the treadmill challenge in, but I would happily run a road race in that shoe. Just because at 15% incline, it's going to slip a little bit. So I like anything with Goodyear rubber, continental rubber on the bottom for treadmill running. And then Mm -hmm. once I get above, I'd say 20%, if you have an incline trainer, you got to have actually sticky rubber on your shoes. Otherwise, the moment you start sweating, sometimes even before you start sweating, uh, your shoes are just going to be sliding out from underneath you. So I think you and I both use our VJ shoes for that rubber on the bottom. For the steep stuff I do, yeah, it just grabs really nicely. And my treadmill belt's at the point where all the little grippies are basically worn off at this point. Yeah. Um, I just, I probably, sh- I need a new belt. It's been four or five years of the same belt. And those things need to be replaced. There's no grip. It's not like sandpaper. The sandpaper's worn off. And now I need something that'll grab a smooth belt because I've worn it over the years. But um, I think you can run in your regular shoes too. I think you can get away with a little less shoe on the treadmill if you want to. And I also think the treadmill is a really good time to experiment with new shoe choices because if it doesn't work, you can take it off and switch right away. You're not out four miles yeah. away from home. And so uh, it's a good time to start experimenting if you want to and – and the treadmill doesn't damage your shoes. So if you want to order four pairs from running warehouse and send three back, the treadmill is the perfect time of year to like experiment because they'll send you a free shipping return shipping label. A lot of companies do now. And so buy a bunch, try them out, send them back. That's okay to do. Um, and the treadmill's not going to put any wear or dirt or grime on them, so you're able to send them back. And they encourage that. If you run and don't damage the shoe, you can send it back. So I think experimenting is is a good choice on the treadmill this time of year if you're, you're trying to find a shoe that you like, uh, if you're not happy with your current options. So I think that's a side benefit as well. I do too. I personally get away with less of a shoe on a treadmill. Me too compared to pavement running. So if you're looking to run a little more minimal and build up your supporting system to handle that, it's not a bad time to test it out. And again, you're not four miles away from the house. Yeah. The moment I start to have an ache or a pain, I hop off, 
I either stretch it out or I swap that shoe and I get right back on. Exactly. It is not uncommon to see three pairs of shoes on the side of my treadmill. When I did that nine by thousand meter uh, foot, not nine by thousand meter, nine by thousand foot gain workout, I went through four pairs of shoes. As they got sweaty or as one started to chafe or rub on my next 90 second rest, I just swapped shoes. They start to fill up with sweat, swap them out. Mm -hmm. I don't like that pair, swap it out. Who cares? Keep yourself happy. Okay, if you had to have one go-to pair for, let's say, 30% work, 15% work, and flat work, one pair of shoes, and then let's wrap this thing up. Which shoes would you pick? For 30%, either the VJ Ultra or the VJ Max. They have all the rubber of the other shoes, but they're a little wider, and they don't have such prominent lugs. They have more surface area that just spreads out the tension a little bit, so that's that's my yep. go-to. I just did incline work, uh, power hiking in the extremes yesterday, but I would take the Max or the, the Ultras. Same with me. I'll take the Max. Uh, the VJ Max, it outperformed. Like any other trail shoe I put on Hoka's, I put on Saucony's, I put on other brands. They all slip with my push-off, especially if it starts getting wet. I use my VJ, Ma- VJ Maxes. I also don't mind the extreme, but the Max I'll use um, for sure, yeah. 30%. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say I will then take my IROC or Extreme or Spark, whatever, and do my incline work as I get close to race day, okay. just so I get the exact shoe that torques my foot the same way. 15%, <sighs> I really like the Adidas Adios. Hmm. That's it has continental rubber on the bottom. I also you I've been using the um the Skechers um Razor XS as well. And the just the standard Razor. Uh, they have Goodyear, Adidas has Continental. Um but they're both all three are a little more minimal. They're light but comfortable. So those would be they got some cushion to them still. Yeah, a little bit of cushion but a little bit of grip. So my 15% work is my Skechers uh, Razor 3s. Oh, yeah? I just It just fits the bill. It grabs nice. Now that my treadmill's so worn out, I almost have to just choose a VJ at 15% because I'll get a little slip on the toe on okay. almost anything. I need a new belt is what I need because it's just so smooth. It's like shiny smooth, you know, like it, it mm-hmm. needs to be fixed. But, yeah, the, the Razor 3 on Skechers, that Continental, or what is it, BF Goodrich, what is it on the bottom? The rubber. I think they have uh, Goodyear. Goodyear is what it is. Um, it actually works. Like that's not a gimmick. Like it, it grabs a little better. So yeah, I use my Razor threes. Yeah. And then for flat work, I don't care what you use, but I'll use a nice light fast trainer if I want to run speedy. Um, I tend to like leave my Hoka Cliftons or something that's a little spongy. I don't gravitate towards those. I'll gravitate towards a, a stiffer shoe just because the Nordic Track I use has a lot of play in the belt. It absorbs plenty of impact. Yeah. Um, so those would be my choose. What about flat for you? I would run the Razor 3 flat too if I if I wanted. Yeah, if I'm going easy, I'm in the Razor XS or the 3s. And unless I'm beat up, then I'll wear a Clifton or something like that. But basically any one of my race shoes you've seen on the wall behind me, I've tested on the treadmill. The Vaporfly and Alphafly are really bad on the treadmill. They are slippery. The Puma Nitro um, Deviate Nitro Elite is really slippery on the treadmill. Every single other Puma shoe is super grippy. In fact, I would say that. The Puma Grip, I think it's called Puma Grip, they call it. The regular Deviate Nitro and the Fast R are really sticky on the treadmill. So Puma's (laughs) actually another good brand for that. But every shoe I've ever worn, I've worn flat on there just to test her out, and I like them all. 
Yeah. I have this bug circling around my room here. Bracken's been flailing his arms for the last 20 minutes. That, what I see is nothing, so I think you're going crazy over there. Wild. It is wild. I'm satisfied with this. We did it. I think basically we're telling you is don't feel like a ninny if you're running on the treadmill if you have reason for it. And if your reason is I just don't want to run outside, that's an okay reason too if it's a sparing reason. And so pick and choose, have foresight with the weather. And if you're going to be on the treadmill, do it with purpose. Like go and take advantage of the fact that you're on the treadmill that day um, because it can benefit you greatly. So you might as well allow it to instead of, you know, having no plan for it, so to speak. And so being malleable with your week, choosing when to be in and outside um, can actually really well well round your fitness, I think, this time of year. And so it's okay to choose the treadmill. Don't beat yourself up for it. You have anything you want to add to that? Not a thing. You sure? Not a thing. All right. If you're those t-shirt winners, remember, uh, email me or Instagram me and international t-shirt orders. We are accepting. I'm not saying you're going to accept the shipping rate we throw back at you, but it is an option. So um, that's all I got. Yeah, have a great week. We'll have an interview for you this Friday. And then World's Toughest Mudder this weekend. Tune in and check out the highlights. Boop, boop. Till next time. Peace.